Everybody that you meet, you can learn something from them. It's not necessarily what you achieve in life that matters most, but it's who you become in the process of those achievements that really matters. We all need people who believe in us. They expand the boundaries we place on our own lives. What makes me most proud is how I played the game. Being real, authentic, and spontaneous, and loving the game, to me, is what it was all about. When you retire, you may get a chance to go to football heaven. This is football heaven. Hello and welcome to The Mission. The Pro Football Hall of Fame is proud to kick off 2019 with a unique podcast called The Mission. At the Hall of Fame, our mission is to honor the heroes of the game, preserve its history, promote its values, and celebrate excellence everywhere. And our goal on the mission is to really dive deep and bring you some unique stories from the fans that visit here at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, as well as dig deep into our huge archival library where all of the rich content lives. Every day, we want you, the fans, to get involved. We want you to call in, not only just to give your opinion about who should be in the Hall of Fame or not, but we want to hear some of your rich, traditional stories about growing up, loving the game that we all love and adore, and that's football. I'm Jameer Howerton, and I am proud to be your host on the mission. I have had the opportunity to be the play-by-play -play announcer for this year's 2018 World Youth Football Championship that took place right over there at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. I'm also the former sideline reporter for your Cleveland Browns and former team reporter for the New York Jets. I've had the opportunity to work 20 plus years in the National Football League and I am so honored to be the host of this year's 2019 The Mission. So without further ado, let's get it going because it's all about The Mission. Well, Marshall Falk, if this is football heaven, I am joined by one of the gatekeepers here, the executive director and the host of the Hall of Fame radio on Sirius XM that you can watch on Saturdays at noon to two, Mr. Joe Horrigan. Well, if you watch with your ears, you can watch. <laughs> But you, you can, can watch. Listen. But you can watch us, yeah, and we, you can listen to you there, there on Saturday. The package deal here. That's right. Got, that's the, the radio show. Is you know, as you know, obviously, is not serious, but it's been a lot of fun. And now you're going to see see why I do radio. <laughs> Before we jump into the conversation and talk about the obvious, the 2019 finalists right. list, we got to talk about this. You know, this is this is my team, and it yeah. always has been. I go way way back with it. I was at the first ever. Buffalo Bills game in 1960. July 30th, 1960, they played the Boston Patriots. Uh, that was their first game ever. It was a preseason game. Uh, the reason being is that my father was a sports writer at the time with the then Buffalo Evening News, now Buffalo News, and he dragged his young kids along with him wherever he went to, you know, get, a, get as he used to say, life experiences. Wow. So I sat wow. there and watched that game. But uh, been a fan ever since. He went on to become the vice president, uh, public relations director for the Bills. He was the American Football League public relations director. And my first paycheck ever in pro football, I was 13 years old. I was the runner for the American Football League draft in 1964. So 
uh, been a long time. I need like a cowbell or air horn to give props, to give props. Yeah. Well, here we talked about the mission statement earlier, but when you talk about honoring the heroes of the game, preserving the history, promoting the values, and celebrating excellence everywhere, I couldn't think of a better person to have the honor of sitting next to and talking about this 2019 finalist list than you yourself, Mr. Horrigan. Um, when you look at this list, yep. as you mentioned, um, there are five individuals that are first-time finalists, mm -hmm. and there are three of them that potentially could be first ballot Hall of Famers, yeah. and uh, Champ Bailey, Mr. Tony Gonzalez, Ed Reed, mm -hmm. Tom Flores, and Richard Seymour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to clarify, just so people understand when you say finalist and first-time finalists, uh, first year of eligibility is for three, those three, Tony Gonzalez, Ed Reed, and, and Champ Bailey. But there are two others who are in the room for the first time, their first opportunity to be elected, and that's, in, uh, as you mentioned, <coughs> Tom F Flores and Richard Seymour. So, you know, that's, you know, to us, we always tell our finalists that this is a remarkable opportunity. This is a remarkable statement mm -hmm. of what your career represents. If you're a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you're one of the, probably one of the best 500 players who ever played or coached this game. Wow. And you think about that. I mean, there's 20 thousand, 25,000, you know, players who have played this game. Absolutely. So it's really a distinct honor. And I know that every one of these 15 finalists you know, says, that's great, Joe, but I'd really like to be one of those guys that <laughs> gets the knock on the door and makes me a finalist, not only a finalist, but a member of the Hall of Fame. That won't happen for all 15 of these guys or 18 of these guys when you count our two contributors and our one senior. That won't happen for everybody this year. But statistically speaking, each of these 15 modern era finalists, mm -hmm. if they get in the room more than once, okay. the likelihood of them eventually being in the Hall of Fame is very high, somewhere above 80%. So this is a good list to have your name on. Joe, let's go back because, you know, um, for the first time viewers of this show, mm -hmm. first time listeners and getting to know you, which will probably be my family because they don't <laughs> know because I get that call from my uncle. Oh, you need to have my guy in the list. You the whole. I'm like, no, Unc, it's not us who elects the people right. into right. the hall. Right. So if you could just give us like a 101 uh, yep. of the whole process. Yeah, I'd be glad to do that, Jameer, because that's a really important thing. The Hall of Fame does not vote. No member of the Hall of Fame. I administer the process. And the process, it's a year-round process. It begins with nominations. And anyone can nominate someone for the Pro Football Hall of Fame just by letting us know that they want to nominate that person. The process then begins with a list usually of about uh, over, just slightly over 100 nominees. And by that, it, it says only 100. Well, there's been thousands that have been nominated over the years. But right. the ones that come back and get a fresh nomination or had selector support go on that list. So the selectors, who are 48 members of the media, uh, then look at that list. We provide the preliminary list, and we give them this daunting task and say, reduce that to 25 semifinalists. Mm. Now, getting to 25, I mean, that's still a real big honor. And there's a lot of guys on that list of 25 semifinalists, which we announced earlier, mm -hmm. that will be on the 15 yet to come. And maybe we're just a vote or two away from being on it this year. Right. But you have to have a cutoff somewhere. So after we go through this 25 semifinalists, we have one more mail ballot vote with our selectors. And we ask them to reduce that to 15. All right, and that's when the rubber hits the road. You know, <laughs> when you get down to 15, these are the guys that are somewhere out of this list. We will have five finalists. We get to the meeting and that's on the Saturday before the Super Bowl, with those 15 modern era uh, names, plus the two either contributors or seniors we rotate, or one contributor senior in that rotation, right. for a total of 18 finalists. We'll get in the room somewhere around 6.30 in the morning, 
and for about the next nine or ten hours, we debate the merits of each of these candidates, beginning with the senior, showed respect, mm -hmm. and then after we vote on the senior, we vote on the contributors, up or down, for, or for election, for those two. We don't know the results. We have the accountants that we have tabulate all our voting. Uh, we take them, they seal it up, they don't tell us the results till the end of the meeting, whether those three players or coaches or contributors were elected. Then we immediately go to the 15 modern era finalists and we start debating. And when I say we, we begin by a representative, the geographical representative. There's 32 geographical selectors and then the rest are what we call at large who cover the game on a more of a regional or national basis, okay. a total of 48. But we'll start with those geographic selectors. Let's say there's a Cleveland Brown that was a finalist. We'll right. say, all right, Tony Grossi, get up there and make an introductory remarks on that candidate. And then the process begins. From there, it gets into the debate with all of the selectors. Everybody can contribute. Pros, cons, questions, debate, you know, comparisons. We provide them with books like this of uh, information. And then they do their own research. Guys are coming in there with hundreds of interviews, pages of research they've done. They take this so seriously. That's the most Im important part. And that's m really the most impressive part, how, how serious these guys are. And I should mention, two of our selectors now are actually members of the Hall of Fame, James Lofton, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, uh, Dan Fouts. Uh, they are also members of the media, which makes them eligible. Right. So, in any case, we take those 15 modern era finalists, and we eventually d debate each and every one of them. It takes a long time. And it gets heated. It gets. You know, That's what they say. Take us in that because yeah. I, I know I know that it's private conversation right, and right. you're privy. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm with <laughs> the guy who administrates all that. So <clears throat> how does it get intense? Yeah, it, get, it can get intense. Now we always have to remember too. A lot of these guys are going back for second, third, fourth time. They're in the room. Right. So you know it's not like they haven't heard the arguments before. But now there's new uh, faces and, and individuals in that room who are competing against them. And they're not only competing against the f other you know, candidates on that 15 finalist list, they're competing against everyone who's been elected to the Hall of Fame already because that bar has been established. Mm. Does he meet that bar? Is he as good? Can I write the history of the game without this guy? Right. Those are the types of things they have to decide and debate. Well, it starts with the 15, as we said, and we'll vote it down first to 10. The, the selector, the uh, accountants will go count up the 10 ballots again, come back a few minutes later, tell us who's remaining. Here's the five that were eliminated in the first reduction vote. Here's the 10 that remain. Wow. We'll then go into another debate and discussion for anything that they felt that they didn't say the first time around. We don't ask them to go through this whole thing all over again. Just new information. After that's done, we'll ask them to vote down to five. Boy, I'll tell you what, if you want to talk about a challenge, this is, uh, you look at this list, you could take any five members off this list of five, 15 finalists and come out with a class. Yeah. Right, absolutely. There's over 30,000 different combinations you could come up with. But there's nobody you'll ever have to apologize for. So it's very, very tough, and it gets emotional. So you vote down to five, and they come back and tell us who those remaining five are, and then it's just a matter of up or down on each one, one at a time. Now, in order to be elected, you have to get at least an 80% positive vote of those 48 selectors. There's no minimum criteria, or there is a maximum, no more than those eight, the three that we had already voted on earlier, the contributors and, and uh, senior, mm -hmm. and then as many as those five, but as few total can be four. Wow. If we don't get four, we go into a tiebreaker situation. We haven't had a class of four <laughs> in a very long time. Wow. So that's how good the candidates are. But that's how it works. We immediately uh, you know, go into uh, our press conference and announce them for the public. We all learn at the same time. Uh, as to uh, who's going to be elected, and then David Baker will go up with that big fist of his and pound <laughs> and on the door. And give the thunderous knock. And that's absolutely right, and, and let them know that they are among the elite uh, of the game. So, Joe, we have enshrinement week, uh, typically the first weekend 
in August, right. but then for you, mm. you don't turn off. Oh, no. You turn <laughs> on. So two weeks later, we're, you're back in the room yep. finding out and pounding out the, the, the next, getting ready yeah, for the we, next we're, class. We're starting with, uh, in August, we have our subcommittees that determine the senior and the contributor candidate, okay. candidates come in. So we start all over again in August, get those two uh, categories taken care of, and then in September we start with the preliminary lists for the next class for the next year, which will be interesting because you know we're coming up on a big year, the centennial year. So yeah. this is a, it's a never-ending process. It goes on year-round, and while you say me, really the selectors never stop either, and these are the unsung heroes. Okay. These are the guys and women, we have women on our selection committee as well, who dedicate at, at no cost to the Hall of Fame. They're just totally dedicated to the game and seeing that the right people are enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and they do it year-round. And, you know, I, just before we started this, I was telling you, I was just on the phone with one of our selectors. We are going over something that, you know, needed to be discussed. It is just a process that we feel is the best process, not only of the Sports Hall of Fames, but of any selection process that we can think of out there, because we have reduction votes, it's very inclusive, and we debate the, uh, the finalists. That's something that most uh, organizations or, or, or voting s sort of situations rarely do that, where they have the candidates discussed by the selectors together, not just pick a number and mail it in. This, right. is, this is much more intimate than that. Now the process before, um, the process of letting the, the finalists know that mm -hmm. they're gonna be in the Hall of Fame, right. before Mr. Baker got here and he right. delivered that thunderous knock, mm -hmm. what was the process then? Yeah, it, it's changed over the years many, many different times, but um, when we used to have you know, the 15 finalists, they found out just very casually we would call them, as we still do. We you know, right. call them, let, you know, let them know that they're finalists. Mm -hmm. But we, we would tell them, you know, please don't you know, make too much of this. You know, we're we're going to have the meeting, and we'll let you know after the meeting. Um, we've changed a lot of our philosophy and our thinking is, you know, the finalist vote is so significant to, to make it that far that we make a big deal out of that. We really think that this is something that they should be reveling in, the fact that they are mm -hmm. among the, the best who ever played or coached or contributed to the game. But we used to have, after the meeting, we would go directly to a live uh, press conference where we opened the envelope and read the results. Oh, wow. And it, it sometimes led to some, some curious results um, one year we decided to change it up a bit. It was in Florida, right after the hanging chad, after the presidential election, where they had to have the recount. Absolutely. The hanging chads and the voting uh, ballots. Well, we decided to change up our voting process that year, a little more dramatic for television. Rather than open up and read one envelope with the list of names, we said, let's have a different envelope for each of the candidates that made it. You know, So at the time, the maximum number was seven. And so John Banker, who was the director at that time, I handed him, I said, John, there's seven envelopes. That means all seven guys got elected of the finalists. Right. Yeah, 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 okay, he's nervous, you know, we're going to live TV here. He takes out the envelopes and he's standing at the podium and the cameras are rolling and he says, ladies and gentlemen, I have here seven envelopes. That means that seven finalists were elected to the Hall of Fame. And he opens the first one, he goes to the name, opens the second one. Now, meanwhile, we have a couple of them stashed you know, so that they could come down for the press conference. We can't bring in all 15 because we had no idea who would be elected. So I'm on the phone dialing real quick, Lynn Swan. I wanted, this is the year Lynn Swan was a finalist. It was his 14th consecutive year. Wow. And I said, I want to be the guy to call Lynn to tell him it's, it happened, Lynn. And I knew he was one of the finalists because obviously I'm in the room right. <coughs> during the voting. So as I'm dialing Lynn's room number, I hear John say, and, and, and that's the class of whatever that year was, I forget already. And somebody from the audience says, that was only six. So I'm thinking, I handed him seven envelopes, so I'm thinking, I am not going to tell Lynn Swan he made it to the Hall of Fame and be wrong, so I hung up on him. 
<laughs> so it's one of these things. Oh, you know, what do you do? Right. So as John was opening the envelopes, he's discarding the envelope and putting the paper over here. Right. And he threw a, an envelope on the floor. Oh. And he just happened to look down and see an envelope that wasn't open. And he looks down and he picks it up and he holds it up and without skipping a beat, remembering this is Florida after that hanging chad, yeah. he says, and the meeting was in Tampa. He goes, well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Florida, number seven. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was Jackie Slater who had already watched up to that point and not heard his name, turned the TV off, thought he didn't make it. Oh. So the best laid plans can go awry. I called Lynn Swan right back. Right. Told him, you know, you made it, you know, and then poor Jackie, he thought it was a joke. You know, it's like that to convince them to come down. If so, yeah, yeah, you, know, you got to be careful. So right. we, we um, now we don't do it so quite so live. It's right. done at the NFL Honors Show. Yeah. a few hours afterwards, but yeah, things like that could happen. Because Joe, we both work for two fran franchise organizations: right. the Buffalo Bills, New York Jets, and, and Cleveland Browns. So we know these guys oh, yeah. are just they're ultra competitive guys. I mean, oh, you know, and they don't like to. Put it that way, they don't think they're competing against each other, but they compete against themselves in some respects. Absolutely. But they are competitive guys. And, you know, it's always, and I've said this so many times over my 42 years here, sometimes it's not a question of if but when. Right. You gotta be patient. Right. And it's not a reflection on you or your career. Right. You're a victim of numbers so often. Right. You know, all right, we had the log jam of wide receivers a few years ago with Andre Reid, Chris Carter, and Tim Brown. They kept canceling each other out in the reduction voting. Okay. So it meant that they were waiting longer than they probably would have waited had they been the only finalist receiver that year. Right. So things like that. We have a log jam right now. We have four offensive linemen, only 15 finalists for this year. Right. Chances are that can happen, that they can cancel each other out a little bit. There are things like that mathematically that can impact when somebody goes in. And just, you know, sometimes there's also a guy who's been there for a very long time, you know, as a candidate, and all of a sudden he makes it into the room. And mm -hmm. finally his case is made, and the lights go on and say, you know, here's a guy we missed. Right. And he gets, he takes a spot. That means somebody else got bumped down. You know, that's, you know, unfortunate thing yeah. with somebody emerging. It also means somebody else has to fall back. So it's a, it's yeah. a system that we think it's, as I say, the best system out there. But boy, I'll tell you what, it is no way to predict it. We have... You know, as a staff, we always try to predict the class, yeah. <laughs> and I'm intimately involved, and I have never been right. So it's, it's just that difficult. Hey, guys, I got to go back for a second because uh, 42 years, we got to give it up. 42 years. I, 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 I let it slide. He kind of yeah. went over that real quick, but. Child prodigy. I was <laughs> four when I started 42 here. Yeah, years yeah. of football. Hey, got to give props to that. Um, so. Once again, you're the host on Sirius XM on Saturdays. Mm -hmm. What is the national buzz surrounding this year's 2019 well, class? You know, what's really interesting Excuse me, finalists. Finalists. I don't say yeah, class. Yeah, Excuse me. Correct. Thank you for making that adjustment. Yeah, I didn't adjustment. That. Yeah. <laughs> but no, you're, you're right. Every year there's something different. And, I, and you, know, you try to find what's that commonality or what's that difference? What is it about this class? I think this class does it reflects a lot of things. First of all, obviously there are three first-year eligibles. That tells you the number of quality players that are out there. Mm -hmm. The league is larger than it's been. You know, when we started the Hall of Fame in 1963, you know, we're now talking 32 teams, we're talking larger rosters, we're talking more games. That means there's going to be more athletes to, you know, to consider as, as future Hall of Famers and potentially on the list like this. So there are three that have taken three of the 15 valuable slots there. Wow. There's also, you know, and again, part of this being around here a long time, I can remember the day when people were saying, how come there's no Denver Broncos in the Hall of Fame? And I would say, just relax, the day will come, you know, and all of a sudden they start falling into place, Floyd Little, you know, John Elway, and yes. so on. Yes, yes. Uh, now we have on this list, 
there are five different people who have Denver Bronco ties. Now, some of them aren't necessarily their primary team. Right. But it, right. even the owner is there. So I like seeing that where all of a sudden, you know, there's there's that. Then you have Richard Seymour and, and Ty Law. All of a sudden, the New England Patriots, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we know about their success ever since. I, I look at the year 2000 and say that was the new beginning of the Patriots. Yes. You know, you, know, you had Bill Belichick, you had Tom Brady, a relatively new owner, and, uh, and Robert Kraft. They really had a new direction. Now we're starting to see the rewards of that in their in their uh, players and their candidates. So there there is that. Yet at the same time, there are two veteran coaches on this list mm -hmm. that you know they themselves. Uh, Don Coriel is deceased, but his family, you know, has had their hopes raised uh, a couple of times as a finalist. Maybe it's his year. Tom Flores, great career. Mm -hmm. It's his first time in the room. And Tom is one of those guys that was being considered as a coach, and this is important for viewers and listeners to, to realize, that is all he's being con considered for. We have three distinct categories for the Hall of Fame. There's players, there's coaches, and there's contributors. You can't blend them together to make one candidate. You're ch judged distinctly on one of those three categories. Tom is being looked at as a coach. He's a two-time Super Bowl winner. Right. He's a great coach. But this is, a, believe it or not, first time for him in the room, and I'm sure he is feeling uh, even at this point, understanding the honor of what he's accomplished is now being recognized, at least at this level, hopefully to the next level. When you look at the contributor list, um, mm -hmm. one name that jumps out to me, because I've had the honor of going to cover the NFL Combine for years, and that is Gil Brandt. Yeah. And he is known as the godfather of... Sure. The combine football, yeah, yeah, if you yeah. will. Well, you know, and the funny thing, and obviously known Gil very, very long time, good friend. Yeah. And... People are more, it, it was kind of like with John Madden. When John Madden was being considered as a coach for the Hall of Fame, people would say, well, you got to elect him. You know, he was a great broadcasting career in Madden football. I say, no, no, we're only looking at that coach part, you know. <laughs> right. But he was so well known by so many different audiences for different accomplishments. Gil's kind of the same way. Right. Although they all fall under, in his case, all fall under the category of, of, of contributor. But he goes all the way back to the beginning of the Dallas Cowboys, one of the most successful sports franchises in history of the United States, wow. I mean, not just the NFL. So he goes all the way back there, and his innovations and all the things that he saw through with the Cowboys are really the, the beginning and the crux of his career, but it didn't end there. He went on, as you pointed out, with the, the combine and the mm -hmm. different ways that he developed in terms of, of player evaluations. He's an expert in so many different areas, and, and it's really, uh, again, rewarding for someone like me to see our selectors not forget about people like Gil Brandt, like Steve Sable and Ed Sable, you know, that, that had different types of contributions, non-traditional in the sense of what you think of with the Hall of Fame, a contributor, typically you're thinking a general manager, an owner, you know. Mm -hmm. Gil is one of those guys who was a little bit of almost both of those things unofficially. Right. In his yeah. So, yeah. So How it's great to have him there. I, I know I know you're not biased in any kind of way, but just and I don't want to ask you your list because we don't want to get into I'd be that. Wrong. But, <laughs> but like, how excited do you get? Is it like you know, 42 years of being in this industry? How excited do you get to know like Selection Saturday to see that class? Yeah, you know what? What's really interesting is because I've been in it a long time. You get to know most of these guys before they're you know in the Hall of Fame. Right. You knew them when they were players. You knew them as candidates over the years. Some of them with long years of of candidacy. So you're you have a person connect always to right. some person or some group of people in this so you always feel very good about that but you also worry because some of them you know become friends before they become Hall of Famers mm. and you know you, you you know one of the things I used to hate was to have to call some of the folks that I considered longtime friends and say it wasn't this year right 
greatest thing thrill you get is when they get up on that stage and, and you're saying, you know, I told you be patient, I told you. Right. You know? So right. yeah, that's that's kind of you, you get re-energized every year with a new list and even uh, I should say even and maybe more so with the list of repeat nominees because you're you know they are waiting right. and they are being patient. And you and your colleague um, have the honor on um, during enshrinement, right before mm -hmm. they're about to take the stage, mm -hmm. Chris Schilling, and mm -hmm. you guys actually go through the process of explaining. Tell us about that moment because you get a chance to see yeah. the twinkle in these guys' eye and the nervousness oh. because it's like yeah. they're about to go play their game. Yeah, I'll tell you a couple. Uh, you know, we do. We brief them before they go out on the stage. We have a green room where you kind of go through it and talk about, you know, here's how it works. And, and we've talked about it numerous times right. before this, but they're not listening at that point. Right. Now it's the day, you know. And this is why I yelled at you to get your speech shorter. <laughs> I was about to say the speech. Uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> he's you know, the one the, that looks uh, at the speeches, uh, everybody, before they go live. He's the one that tries to go shorter than they ever go. <laughs> but, uh, but we're getting better at it. <laughs> 42 years, I'm uh, someday to get it right. But you know, this is where we literally do see that, that last moment of reflection. Mm. And there have been some great moments where backstage you don't see, you know, where, you know, I, I, I still remember, you know, Michael, Michael, uh, Michael Irvin backstage, you know, trying to compose himself. Wow. He, he was losing it before he got to the microphone. And as yeah. you may recall, he looked down at his children, you know, and talked to them. Uh, he had pulled out his own little personal copy of the Bible, wasn't reading a wow. verse before he went out there. Uh, others have, have been a little, little more relaxed. Uh, yeah. Charles Haley, as I'm standing there addressing the group, he's rubbing my belly, asking me when I'm due. You know, <laughs> it, it just it really depends on the guy. You know, right. but you do see those those moments where you realize, and I think this is important. We have the benefit, Jameer, you know, uh, of of learning and realizing. These are human beings just like everybody else, Absolutely. you know? And uh, you know, one of my friends, Marion Motley, used a line once, he goes, you know, they put their pants on two legs at a time, just like us. Uh, no, no, they don't. Not if they do that way. I do it one at a time. I do it one. Yeah. <laughs> right first. But that's, again, that, that moment where you get to see the, the you know, Marion had a, he was kind of the Yogi Berra of football. He okay. would mix up his words quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Often to the delight of others. But that's but that's part of this this whole process is learning yeah. that these are guys that, you know, they're just like us. They've had their trials, their tribulations, their successes, their failures. And the one thing I think that keeps them going is this high energy of trying to achieve excellence, which we put right in our mission statement. That's right. So that's you know, that's really what it is about. And if you look at our Hall of Famers and you go down through the gallery and you look at their bronze bust and you stop at each one and you I, I can guarantee you that 90% or more of these guys excelled at something other than football too. Mm. And, and whether it's just something small or large, you know, we have successful business, we have we have political candidates, we have everything yeah. in there. But they, they are high achievers and they, they, they believe in hard work. And you know we've said this before when you know like when Peyton Manning was not yet a Hall of Famer, certainly going to be one, when he set a passing record and he gave us a football, you know, th that's just a football. But what it represented is the thousands of hours that went into preparing and building himself and making his you know, honing his skills to the point where he could break that record with that ball. All that ball is is, a, is an artifact yeah. commemorating that hard work, and that's what the bronze bust really is. It's a symbol of hard work and determination and excellence. Wow. Well, Mr. Oregon, thank you so much. I know we got a lot going on yep. coming here soon. <laughs> Selection Saturday. You can listen to Joe on Sirius XFM from noon to 12 with the Pro Football Hall of Fame Radio. For Joe, Jameer, thanks for joining us.